It was late November 2003, one cold, bitter, dark evening. I was driving on Lindbergh Avenue with a goal to get to the airport to pick up a friend of mine. It was cold, it was dark, and about two-thirds of the way, past Page Avenue, my car stalled. I had no cell phone. It started smoking and fuming. I managed my way to get to a neighborhood. Boldly began to knock on doors, seeking help. In some homes, lights were on. In others, no light at all. My need, my fear to connect, at least to call the police and get some help and get me to the airport to meet a friend who is, for him, the first time to come to St. Louis. Fear had set in. Knocked on door, one door, no answer. Second one, no answer. Third one, the light is on. Somebody is even coming close to the door, but no opening of the door. Fear had set in. Who is this man? It's dark, night, cold, evening. Why is he coming to us? Does he have a gun? Is he coming to steal? Strangers, no connection, no love, but fear. Fear on my part. My wife is sitting in this cold car in a strange place. My friend is waiting for me. So I would go meet him and bring him along. Fear had set in. In the age-old tradition of Hinduism, the doctrine of untouchability prevails. Not until a hundred years ago, a third of the Indian population had access to the Hindu temples. You know the caste system. Among the low caste people, they had no access to the mainstream of the society. A low caste man would still work in the form of a Brahmin as a hired hand. His compensation would be thrown to him for fear that by the touch of skin, the holy man would be polluted and become ceremonially unclean. I'm told that even in homes, there were two sets of plates should an untouchable be invited to come over to have food, not with the family, but someplace in the house, they would be served food on a different set of plates. Jesus comes to the disciples and touches them. Have no fear. Have no fear. St. John wrote, perfect love casts out fear. There is punishment involved in fear. Perfect love casts out fear. John wrote again, as we know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God came to us incarnationally so... John writes again, we could see him, we could hear him, and our hands could touch.
touch him. A holy God choosing to touch the untouchable sinner, poor, miserable sinners like us, our fathers and their fathers. Sin that brought estrangement for all human beings from God, sinful humans are now touched by God. In our text, Jesus our Lord takes along with him Peter, James, and John up to a high mountain. Jesus transfigures before them, his face shone like the sun, his clothes become white as light, and Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. Peter, of all people, is so excited about this, what I would call the liminal moment. And he decides that, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I will then play the servant role and I will build three tents for you, Moses. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. He didn't even think of himself having a place. But he still said, as we sang in the hymnal, in the hymn for today, it is good that we are here. The presence of God. Did Peter really know that Jesus was manifesting his heavenly glory here? Of course, his face shone like sun and his clothes became white as light. Think of putting light and white together. Transparency involving some kind of a dazzling scene where we cannot even open our eyes, keep our eyes open and see the glory of God. Amidst all that, Peter still thought, Lord, it is good that we are here. And Luke, the evangelist, says, Peter, not knowing what he was saying. Six days earlier, in chapter 16 of Matthew, we read Peter's confession of Jesus as Christ. Again, the question was posed by Jesus himself, who do people say I am? Pinpointedly, the question comes to Peter. Who do you say I am? Peter responds, a faith response coming from his mouth. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus goes on, Peter, this is all good, but flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. The Father in heaven revealed this to you. And note the text here. In the text on transfiguration, the voice from heaven. The moment Peter says it is good for us to be here, the voice from heavens, this is my son. Do not make plans for him. I have a plan for you. Listen to him. This is my son. Between these two liminal experiences, the glory moments, the purpose of God's coming to the world is clearly stated. Jesus says, he has an exodus to go on. He has a journey that will end in Jerusalem. There, he will be tried by the scribes and Pharisees and teachers of the law, and he will be put to death, and on the third day he will rise again. And it is there that we see the glory of God. It is there on the cross that we see the 
beauty of God's love. It is there we see how God erases the untouchability of human beings to really touch the holy God. There is no glory without suffering. There is no resurrection without death. And there is no payment of sins without the cross. God would accomplish his purpose for him and for the whole world his own way, not our way, not through the philosophies and religions of the world, not through the underpinnings that sustain a society, not through human inventions, but in his own way. It was his choice that he would create us. It was his choice that he would come down on his own terms to save us from sin. It is his way of reconciling as to himself. Therefore, listen to him. We cannot domesticate God. God comes down to us on his own terms. Glory, stricken, smitten, afflicted, rejected by his own. He comes to his own His own received him not, but to as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the children of God. That is God's way of reconciling us to himself. This is transfiguration. Lent follows. From this liminal moment, we go into the world bearing our own crosses, following him intently, bearing the sufferings of others who walk along the path, touching them with our hands, giving them a word of comfort, giving them a word of forgiveness. He touches us with his word. He has brought us near by proclaiming to our ears a word of reconciliation, And today he brings us to the table so we may not only touch him, but we also may taste him and see that he indeed is good. He has broken down the wall of hostility by his body, by his shed blood, and he from here sends us forth so we may touch the lives of others. We may make a difference in the lives of others. We may indeed proclaim to them a word of freedom from their fear. Would you then reach out your hand and touch someone? Behold how great a love that he has lavished us through his cross. Even after his resurrection, he keeps touching us to clear our doubts, to give us strength, to mend us together as one family of God, even calling us his own body. Remember Thomas, fearing, doubting, needing proof that the one who died on the cross is alive. There is resurrection following Lent. There is hope beyond despair. There is hope beyond our graves. 
Jesus offers his own body. Reach out your hand and touch me. Put your hand on my side. Here I am, incarnationally present among you. Not a ghost. Realistically, as I came into this world as the son of Mary, I am here, transformed, glorified, incarnationally before you, so you may touch me, so that you too may be with me when I shall come in glory. God grant us peace. God grant us the sense of acceptance. God take away all fear from us as we look at him on his cross and what he did for us there. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.